In fact, dreams have been an important part of my life. And I shall tell you about them. But first, a little bit of history that must start with my father, Jacob. This is important, you see, because of my father's love for me. Now, Jacob loved Rachel and wanted to marry her. In that day, you had to work seven years to earn a bride. And so he did. But on the morning after the wedding, he found that his father-in-law had married him to Rachel's elder sister, Leah. Well, he was quite a bit surprised. And so <laughs> it worked another seven years to gain his wife, Rachel. Now, hoping to start a family, of course. I will skip all the details, uh, but keep in mind that there was Jacob married to Leah and Rachel. Leah bore him six sons. There were two servants, Billa and Zilpah, four more children, and then Rachel had none until me. Finally, after many years, Rachel bore a son. The woman he loved bore him a son, and I became his favorite son. Raise your hand if you have siblings. Do not raise your hand if there's a favorite. <clears throat> no. Your parents would not do that, but mine did, and so he favored me in many ways, one of which was to give me a robe. I need uh, someone to try this on for me. Any volunteers who would stand upon the stage, you need to be a little taller and of the other gender. <coughs> yes, uh, a boy tall enough to... Yeah, young man right there, come down. I think you might be tall enough. What is your name, sir? The name is Joseph. Okay, yes, Joseph. <laughs> Elliot is going to be Joseph. Mm, not quite tall enough, but I like the look on you. Now, your father, Jacob, loved you the best, gave you not only robes, but other things, the best food. <laughs> that was me. And I lorded it over my, all my big brothers. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was the favored son, <laughs> and they were not. And when they did something that was shady, secretive, bad, I ran to tell my father. I told them what he did. I was a tattletale. Elliot, you're not a tattletale, are you? I stood. He got me into lots of trouble. Lots of deep trouble. Why? In fact, at one point, I was sent on an errand by my father to go check on my big brothers out in the fields watching the sheep. They were a long ways off, but they could see me, of course, because of my beautiful robe. They made plans, evil plans. They hated me, of course. And so, when I got to them, they took off my robe. Oh, sorry. They left the name tag. Okay. <laughs> they threw it on the ground, and then they threw me into the depths of a well. Way down deep. There was no water in the well, but fall down deep into the well. Ah! How I cried. 
cried. I yelled. I said, let me out. No, let me out. Please. I pleaded with them. Please. It, it hurt. It was dark. It was damp. I don't know how long I cried, but they would not let me out. I knew not how long I was down there. I was long enough to, for my stomach to growl and for my joints to ache. And, and it was I was awakened by something hitting me on the head. It was a rope. A rope. I heard my brother's voice. He said, come out of the ground, little worm. We have plans for you. All right. Hold your hands like this. Traders had come. They said, do not kill the boy. No. We will sell him as a slave. And so they did. Oh, I cried out to them again. I said, no, no, don't tell, don't take me away. I want to stay. Take me. Don't, no, I don't want to go. But they took me away. Those traders made me walk all the way to Egypt. Did you ever walk behind a camel caravan? You need to watch your step. I hadn't either. But then, then, there in Egypt, I was sold as a slave, like a, like a beast of burden. Elliot, do you know what a beast of burden is? It's kind of like a tractor. Something to do your hard work. Give Elliot a big hand. You may go be seated. And so my brothers sold me uh, to the traders. The traders sold me to a man named Potiphar in Egypt. I don't know what he saw in me. Something useful, I think, but I had to do what he told me. He was a just and fair master. He had other slaves as well, but I knew that I had to learn, and I learned the language as quickly as I could. And as a good servant, I saw things that needed to be done, and when he gave me a task, I did it to the very best that I could. Sometimes I saw a task that needed to be done, and I went to do it before he even asked me. Soon it was that he realized I was a very valuable slave. Indeed, he gave me more responsibilities, and more and more. I was a young, skinny 17-year-old when I was sold as a slave, but then after years of servitude in Potiphar's house, I grew to be a man. My voice, that was like this, grew deep and rich. I grew muscled because of the work that I had to do. And I took on the robes of an Egyptian and the language. Life in Potiphar's house was not horrible, I was his servant, yes, but a good servant. Now, I must back up just a step. For you see, when I was my father's favored son, I had a dream. And the dream was this. That we were out harvesting wheat. Perhaps you have seen wheat. In that day, it was harvested by hand. With a knife, you cut the wheat. It fell down. You bundled it. You wrapped it with another 
straw of wheat, and you laid it there for harvesters to gather the bundles. This was my dream, that my bundle stood up on its own, and all the bundles of my ten brothers bowed down to me. <laughs> this is why they hated me. I told them of my dream. They said, what? You think that we should bow down to you? One more reason to despise you. No wonder they sold me to slave traders. But there in Potiphar's house, I wondered, would my dream ever come true? My first dream had a second dream that the sun and the moon and 11 stars all bowed down to me. I told my father and mother. They could not understand. How is it, Joseph? You think that we will bow down to you, all the ten, and my younger brother, Benjamin? Well, in Potiphar's house, I, I had little hope of my dream coming true. Now, everything in Potiphar's house was under my control, except one thing, his wife. Potiphar was the chief of Pharaoh's guard, and uh, his wife early on made it clear that... Uh, she was interested in me. Now, in Egyptian culture, as in Hebrew culture, this is not to be done. When a man and woman covenant to be married, that is a sacred bond. And to break that covenant with any other person is a crime punishable by death. But it was clear to me that Potiphar's wife wanted to break her covenant with her husband for me. I had everything in the household. I told her, everything is mine except for you. I will not sin against God by doing such a thing. I will admit she was beautiful. The temptation was real, but I knew right from wrong. My father taught me that. And so again and again, I resisted her promptings. Perhaps I did not consider how crafty she would be. Well, one day I was summoned, summoned to appear, not to appear, but to, to serve my master's wife. I was wearing this robe at the time. Now, often, most days, there are many people in the household, servants, cooks, guards, doorkeepers. But when I entered the house this day, it was eerily quiet, no sound. I went into the rooms, and I said, uh, Mistress, you have called me. What is it you want? I did not see her. Then I heard the door behind me close. I dared not turn around, but I heard her words, Slave, lie with me now. She commanded me. I turned around. I said, No, this is wrong. I will not do it. She grabbed this robe and pulled it from my shoulder. I wrenched myself away and ran for the door. She cried after me, Jacob, come back. Joseph, come back. <laughs> oh, I would not. But soon her cry, her plea became an accusation. Joseph, you will pay for this. And I knew it was certainly true. I went to my quarters. I sat down knowing what would happen next. Before she, she began to call, she 
called for the guards. Soon I heard their footsteps pounding down the passageway. They came into my room without permission. They said, Joseph, you are here. What? Our mistress has proclaimed that you tried to abuse her. She has your robe as evidence. I said, it is not true. They said, we have no choice but to arrest you until Potiphar returns home. I put my hands out, and they led me away. When Potiphar returned, he heard her story. He heard my story of the incident. Potiphar knew her. He knew me. And he let me live. Although in prison, once again, in the prison, again, I thought, how, how will my dreams come true? Will it ever come true? Well, the fact that he let me live was an admission of my innocence. But he could not let me go to save face with his wife. There in the prison, I did my best. I served others. I helped out. Soon, the commander of the prison noticed me and put me in charge of the jail. This gift God gave me to administrate and rule justly was simply from him. And so I soon became the chief prisoner among all prisoners. Well, it lasted for some time, and then it was that the Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker were thrown into the prison for whatever reason. They told me they had dreams. They told me their dreams, and I interpreted their dreams Things would go well for the cupbearer. He would be restored to his position, but the baker would be executed. Indeed, this is exactly what happened, and I thought perhaps the cupbearer would uh, remind Pharaoh of me, but he forgot. For two years, I languished in that prison until the Pharaoh had a dream. Why, he told the dream to all of his advisors, his wise men, but they could not understand it. And that is when the cupbearer remembered me. He said, there is a Hebrew. His God can tell what these dreams mean. So they called me. I had a change of clothes, a shave, and I, I went before Pharaoh, and he told me of this dream. Two dreams, in fact. The first was a dream of cattle, cows, seven cows who had come out of the Nile River. They were well-fed and fat and healthy. Then there were seven more cattle that came up out of the Nile, weak and skinny. What happened in the dream was that the, the skinny cattle devoured the fat cattle, but they were still skinny. He said of the second dream, a sheaf of wheat with seven healthy stalks. Then there was a, another sheaf of wheat, withered and brown. The withered wheat ate the healthy wheat. 
but it was still skinny. He had no idea. He said, perhaps you, Joseph, perhaps you can interpret this dream. I told him, no, it is not me, but my God may give you an answer. And answer he did. I told him that the two dreams were one and the same, the seven cattle and the seven wheat. I said the, the healthy cattle meant seven years of great abundance, great harvests in the land would be followed by seven years of great famine, that the seven years of famine would devour the years of plenty, so much so that the years of plenty would never be remembered. I advised Pharaoh in that moment to find uh, someone who could administrate, who could uh, deal with the people and save up enough wheat to survive the famine. He looked at me and he said, Joseph, Joseph, who could be better than Joseph to administer this time? It was then that I received these robes, fine linens, the king's signature ring, gold jewels. And I began the work of gathering 20% of every harvest, storing it in cities. Year after year, in those years, I also received a wife. Asnath, the daughter of the priest. In time, we had two sons. These were the blessings God gave me in those seven years. When my dreams had faded, my first son's name was Manasseh, which means God has helped me to forget my troubles and all my father's family. Then we had Ephraim, the youngest. His name means God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. They were a great comfort to me, my small family, and things were going well. Well, then it was the famine began. I was by that time 37 years old when the, the famine began, and people from all over came to buy wheat. There I would sit with my interpreter who would uh, tell me what they wanted in their language, and I would agree to sell them wheat so that they could eat. Well, that is the day when my dream came true. My brothers, ten of them, came in and bowed before me. I stood my bundle of wheat with theirs bowing before me. My dream came true. I was filled with emotion. I wanted to cry out, Aha! I knew it would happen. I told you this. But I, I, I was confused. I knew not what to say. I, I still had an interpreter. I saw them, my brothers, but they did not recognize me in an, an Egyptian administrator, a young man, a family. No. They knew not that I was their brother, and I stood before them, filled with confusion, my heart a, a cauldron of emotion. I said to them, you are not here for grain, you are spies. Oh, no, oh, no, we are not spies. We have come for grain to feed our families. Yes, you are spies. You are trying to find out the weaknesses of our land. Oh, no, they protested. 
I continued to uh, interrogate them and found out that my father Jacob and my brother Benjamin were indeed still alive. I knew not what to do. And so uh, I said, yes, yes, you are spies. Off to jail with you. Now, I had all ten of them thrown into jail. And for a moment it felt, it felt, it felt good to know that they were suffering, that they were pleading, that they were fearful as I was. I wanted to, to abuse them, to, to yell at them, to punish them for what they had done to me. But in the end, the taste, the taste in my mouth was like bile. It was awful. I knew it was wrong of me to do it. And for days, my counselors tried to encourage me and lift my mood. But I would not be consoled. Until one night, my wife brought the boys in to me. They were ready for bed. As Anath said, Joseph, the boys have a question. I said, of course. Of course, boys. They came to me. Six and eight. Manasseh said, Papa, what does my name mean? Manasseh, your name means the Lord has helped me to forget all my troubles and my father's family. Ephraim said, Papa, what about me? What does my name mean? Ephraim. Ephraim. It means that God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Papa, said Manasseh, where is your father? Does he live? May we meet him someday? I began to weep. Little Ephraim said, Mama, Mama, did we say something wrong? Papa, why are you crying? I held him tight. Asenath came and embraced us, and I wept. <laughs> my boys, my wife, a small gleam of light broke on the horizon of my misery, and a plan began to dawn. No longer to punish. No. Something far, far better. The next morning, my brother's had spent three days in our jail. They were let out and brought before me again. I have decided, I said through the interpreter, you are indeed spies. You shall be kept in jail and someone shall go back. The proof that you are not spies will be for your brother to come here. Oh, they protested loudly. And then I said, however, I fear God. I will allow only one of you to remain here. The rest of you go and return with your brother, or you shall receive not one more grain of food for your family. I instructed my steward to put their payment for the grain back in their sacks. And the next morning they left. 
I know not what the conversation sounded like when they returned home and found their payment still in the sacks of grain. I know not how they discussed how to proceed, but I did take good care of Simeon. Oh, yes, he was my prisoner, but well cared for. <laughs> well, it was some time before they did return. And continuing my ruse, when they came before me, before they came, I arranged a feast, a feast where they would have dinner with me at my own house. I had made meticulous plans for them to be seated at their table, all in order of their birth, with my brother Benjamin. When they came in, <laughs> I was filled with emotion. My brother Benjamin was alive. My beloved brother. I had to run off into another room to weep and to compose myself and to wash my face. And then it was that I came to my table, for no Egyptian would be seen eating with a Hebrew. It is not done in that culture. And so I ate my food, and then from my table made sure they were served, and Benjamin got five times the amount everyone else got at the table. Simeon was there too, of course. <laughs> well, my plan was to send them away, but grab Benjamin back. And so my steward put all of their money back in their sacks for the second haul of grain, and into Benjamin's sack he put my silver chalice. Well, they left the next morning, but I sent my guards after them to say, Now just a minute. One of you has stolen something from us. How can you repay our kindness with thievery? We shall bring you back and look in your sacks, and the one whose sack contains the chalice shall be our prisoner. Of course, it was found to be Benjamin. I thought my plan would work. I said, the rest of you can go. But then my brother Judah spoke up. He would not be silent. He said, listen, allow me to speak to you. And he began all the way back at this robe. He told me how it was that they had abused and sold the young the brother Joseph to traitors. How it was that their father, learning of that, was absolutely grief-stricken. And that now... To lose his Benjamin also would surely send him to the grave. He pleaded with me and had said that he had made a vow to his father, Jacob, that if Benjamin did not come back, he would bear the responsibility. His testimony, his pleas, his cries, his reasoning were too much for me. I had to once again compose myself and then... When I came out, I sent all the Egyptians away. I knew that it was time to reveal myself. And there, in the presence of my brothers, I said, I am your brother Joseph. Look! 
they were dumbfounded, speechless. They didn't believe it. I said, look, come here. Speaking their language, I said, I am that one you sold into slavery. I am the one who went into the, the well and you sold me and led me and I was a slave and then I was in jail and now I'm Pharaoh's chief administrator. What you did to me, God has made good. But they could not believe it. I held my brother Benjamin and we wept. And we cried, and we laughed. And the noise of it was so much that the Egyptians outside, oh, yes, they heard. <laughs> and the news went back all the way up to Pharaoh. He heard what had taken place. And Pharaoh opened the resources of the land. He said, now, go, bring your father here. Bring your people here that they might be safe and have food and have land. And so it was. <laughs> My dreams came true. Yes, the sun and the moon and the stars, all of them. But not to uplift me. No, for God's purpose. That is why. How well I recall that day. Why, Pharaoh sent chariots and wagons and provisions to, to bring my father, the, uh, my brothers, all their wives, their children, 70-plus people all coming down. And when I chose my five brothers to appear before Pharaoh, I said, tell him you are shepherds, which they did. And so Pharaoh said, we will give you the land of Goshen, where you can watch your flocks and Maybe watch mine, too. <laughs> and so it was. When I saw my father, Jacob, we hugged and cried and wept for a very long time. He was only 130 at the time. <laughs> my father, oh, my father. at age 147. <laughs> he lived with us, my brothers, their families, my children, my children's children are, are growing now around me. And it was just the other day that my brothers came to me again. After we had gone back to bury my father in the land of Canaan, we returned to Goshen for the years of famine. We're still going. But that age, when he finally died, after the famine, I, just recently, they came to me and they said, you will not punish us now, will you? <laughs> they still did not realize what God had done. They still did not trust that what they had done for evil, God meant for good. In fulfilling my dreams was a part of God's plan to provide for all his people, to preserve the line of Jacob, the sons of Israel. And I told them they could trust me and thank God that he had answered my dreams. 
who knows? <laughs> who knows what God might do when we hold on to our dreams? Dreams from Him. Who knows how He will bring them to pass, no matter what turmoil, affliction, suffering might come our way, no matter what temptation. Who knows what God might do when our dreams come true? I pray that my story encourages you this day. I am Joseph. Thank you.